The book of Acts chapter number one again this evening, Acts chapter number one, and we'll look uh, once again at the events uh, around the ascension of our Savior and look at Acts chapter number one and uh, look forward to what God has for us this evening and look forward to a good week and right on through the rest of the uh, Because He Lives uh, campaign, and I'm excited about uh, each and every Sunday and what the Lord has for us and uh, looking forward to uh, what He has, not just this evening, but in the days ahead. It's going to be an exciting year uh, as things continue to get in place with all of our uh, different projects and getting these classrooms set. It'll be nice to get them out of the parking lot and placed and, and cleaned up and, and operational and be used, and so that's going to be exciting. And uh, then, uh, Lord willing, toward the end of the year, breaking ground and things of that nature. And so you just continue to pray, and let's just continue to do our part. Acts chapter 1, and verse number 8, this morning we read verses 1 through 11, and we're going to begin with verse number 8 tonight of Acts chapter number 1. But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. When he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven." Of course, we know uh, this speaks of the ascension uh, of the Lord Jesus. And as these men watch Christ ascend into heaven, uh, we look at verse number 11. And uh, these uh, two angels were there, and they speak to the disciples, and they say, Which also said, Ye men of Galilee, and watch this next phrase, Why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Uh, Tonight, I want to preach on this subject, Don't be a gazer. Don't be a gazer. Now, I didn't say don't be a geezer. Because some of you, there's not much help for you in that regard. Uh, But don't be a gazer. Father, help us tonight as we uh, look into your word once again and we consider uh, these important events, uh, these important words of our Savior. Father, I pray that you would just Remind your church this evening of the importance of uh, what the church is supposed to do. And Father, may we dedicate ourselves to just uh, continuing to do uh, what Christ has admonished us to do. I pray that you'll empower us, enable us to do more in the days ahead uh, than that we've already been able to accomplish for your honor and glory. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. By now, by this morning, the message, and certainly as we uh, revisit this passage again this evening, uh, we understand uh, what is taking place with the ascension of the Lord. The angels ask the disciples a question after they watch uh, Christ ascend into heaven uh, that translates even today, and it's that question, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? I've preached from this passage many times. I've I've, I've, I've read through this passage many times, and I don't know if your, your response is uh, somewhat like my response has been from time to time. Yeah, guys, why are you standing up into heaven? Didn't God tell you what to do? Uh, but in fairness, these men were in awe of the Son of God. 
it was a natural reaction for them to gaze. I don't think this was as much as a rebuke, but a reminder of, yes, you're in awe of what the Son of God has done, but he's admonished you to do something. They were in awe of what the Son of God had done and what they had seen. And certainly all of us could testify tonight of the amazing things that Christ has done in our life. And friend, don't ever get over the awe of our salvation. And don't ever get over the awe of the Son of God to think that Christ could take upon us our, upon himself our sins and pay our sin debt. We ought to be in awe of the fact that he would save a sinner like us. We ought to be in awe of the fact that he would go and as he ascends into heaven, he's preparing a place for you and I because he wants us to spend an eternity with him. He wants us to be with him. And he went through that suffering and the pain and the anguish and in our eternal damnation, he suffered upon himself so that we might have salvation. Boy, that there's something to be in awe of when you talk about the Son of God. And as these men, they stood gazing. It's a natural reaction to stand gazing in awe of what Christ has done. But the question was asked because they had to be reminded to do what he had commanded them to do. Think with me just for a moment. If they had continued gazing instead of going, the world would have never been turned upside down for the cause of Christ. And often we ask the question, or I've been asked the question as we Read in verse number 8 when Christ said, go into all the world. He had taught them in his uh, ministry, go to preach the gospel to every creature. And the last thing he admonishes them to do is to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the othermost, and, and be a witness unto me. And maybe the question can be asked, well, well, Pastor, can the world really be reached with the gospel? I would submit to you tonight if every child of God would stop gazing and start going... I think the world could be reached in one generation. One generation. God has not commissioned us to do what is impossible to do. Now, there's things that must take place. We must have the power of God. We must be willing to pay the price to have the power of God. But we must do our part, and this really ties in to what I've been saying, getting ready for the each one reach one, is if every child of God does something to advance the cause of Christ, does something to propagate the gospel and from the offering uh, being the place being passed and, and a gift to missions so that missionaries can go. But friend, I remind you, it starts right here where you and I are. We are missionaries in this world. Our citizenship is not here. It's in a heavenly place. We are his ambassadors. So what we must be reminded of is that the world can be reached with the gospel, but we as Christians must be goers and not just gazers. Now, I would submit to you this, that often we think of going, we think of a time. I announce that each and every service, Saturday morning at this time, we have a meeting and we go out. But friend, Jesus did not give them a set time of the week. And, but what Jesus did tell them is just go and be witnesses. And friend, how does that translate to you and I? Everywhere we go, we ought to be a witness. Everywhere we go, we ought to be quick to tell others about Christ. Uh, it's sacrilegious in some circles to even say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, I don't even want to have a soul winning time. I will always have a soul winning time at the Emmanuel Baptist Church, but I don't even want to have one because if we would just get in the habit of 
every opportunity we had to share the gospel with our neighbors, with our coworkers, with our friends. We wouldn't have to have a set time. Now, I'm not saying I'm not against it. I'm against it. We're going to have it. And I know there's something to and organize house by house in your city, in your community. But the point I'm making is, is yes, God's done some wonderful things. But we ought to be a goer. I remind you, and I've tried to remind you in this political climate that we've been in the last couple of years, in these troubled times, there's a tendency to gaze. I've said it, and it's true. Everything that's taking place is getting us a step closer to Christ returning. And the Bible commands us to be watching for His return. But watch this carefully. That does not mean that we to watch for His return is that we stop and we gaze. It means if we're watching for His return, we realize it can be imminent, so there's a work that we need to be busy about doing. And it troubles me, and, and especially talking amongst the brethren and even uh, preachers and pastors who say, well, uh, things have taken place and we just gotta, we're just going to, I'm just waiting for Jesus to come. I'm, I'm watching for his return, but knowing that it is getting closer and closer, it's not time to gaze, it's time to go. Tonight, we want to be reminded to not be a gazer. I'm going to give you four quick statements this evening. I remind you that quick is a relative term. Number one, the command is clear. Why should we not be, be a gazer? Because the command is clear. Look with me in verse number eight. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Now, I know the King James Bible is hard to understand on that fifth grade level. But that is very, very clear. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. There's no mystery about what Christ has commanded them to do. And as he is ascending into heaven, going to take his place at the right hand of the Father, what he admonishes them to do is to go tell everybody about my death, burial, and resurrection. Be a witness unto me. Tell people about me. The command is clear. It was clear to these men. It was clear in that day. It is still clear in the year 2022 for God's church to go and be a witness. Do you realize when you go on the job tomorrow, your first responsibility, yes, you want to be a good employee, but you want to be a witness. If you're going to be a good witness, then you need to be a good employee. But you ought to be a witness to everybody you come in contact with. Every opportunity you have, uh, you ought to be a witness. You ought to make a goal to tell your neighbors, to tell your loved ones, to tell everyone around you. Why? Because the command is clear. Ye shall be witnesses. Hasn't God been good to all of us? Isn't God good? Well, I love to talk about my Savior. I love to think about what he's done for me. I don't know if you've enjoyed the preaching the last couple of weeks, but I have. And, and the thought of the resurrection and the thought of the gospel and the thought of what that means and to think about what Jesus, even after paying for our sins and what he continues to do for us today, oh, to think about Jesus and who he is and what he's done. We ought to be in awe of that, but it ought to compel us to follow the command that is very, very clear. It troubles me the day that churches are getting away from what the mission of the church is. Now, if, if, if we don't fulfill the mission, what's the purpose of the institution? There's a lot of places, quite frankly, that call themselves churches, but by Bible definition, they're not a church. They're a club. 
uh, they're a fellowship. Uh, but the church that's been commissioned by Christ, the command is clear, number two. And this is key, and this is really what it comes down to. Some don't want to make the effort to go, but there's some who would make the effort to go, but we fail to realize that, number two, power is available. We're going to get to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other in just a moment. That's a big task. We have a big God. We have a Savior who will save any man who wants to be saved. But what is needed? We need the power that is available. We see in verse number 8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, after the Holy, he's telling them to go to the world, be a witness after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, it's important for us to realize that we shouldn't just be gazers, we should be goers. But it's important for us to realize that in order to be a goer, you must have Jesus said. If you're going to go and be a witness, in order to be the right kind of witness, in order to have power in your witness, you must have the Holy Spirit power. I reminded you, I reminded you this morning of how when Jesus left, he, instruct, he told them that the Holy Spirit is coming, the Comforter is coming. While Jesus is going to prepare them a place, the Spirit of God is coming, and, and He will empower them. And Jesus reminds them, go tell everybody about me. But after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, then ye shall receive power. I believe in being organized, but there's no power in our organization. The power comes from the Spirit of God. The preaching must be filled with the preacher must be filled with the spirit. The preaching must have uh, spirit power. The singing, that's why, uh, with everything is organized that we do on Sunday. Everything has a reason. Everything has a purpose. And if you're in the music program, sometimes you don't understand. Well, well, you have to hit. The, you have to be in uh, the, you agree to these certain things. Why? Because uh, souls are at stake. We must have the power of God. I don't want somebody who's singing in a bar on Saturday to come and sing on Sunday about how good Jesus is. Because the Spirit of God's not in that. And so we must have the Holy Ghost power. So the question comes, and quite frankly, we can answer this question. Do we believe that the power of God is enough? Do we believe that God wants people to be saved? Do we believe that Jesus is still saving sinners? Do we believe the power is available then if we're going to be effective, if we're going to be able to do what God has commissioned us to do? This is a good reminder for our church. Because we cannot do it in the flesh. It's a wonderful thing. The teenagers had their had an extra soul in time yesterday. I believe there was eight people saved yesterday. That's a wonderful thing. And I'm thankful that our young people are taught how to win a soul of Christ from the time they're very, very young. We know how to win somebody, don't we? We can say it in our sleep. It's not a bad thing to know the plan of salvation. You say, well, I don't know that. Just tell, if you want to be a witness, just tell people what God did for you. Tell people how you got saved. But we need to have the power behind that. Very simple and quick reminder and just straightforward. You can't live with the dirt of this world on your life and have the power of God. That's why this contemporary emerging church philosophy 
Say, oh, they said they had so many people saved. They're lying. Or they're following a seducing spirit because the gospel is tied to the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. And if you are quenching the spirit of God, if, if you are grieving the spirit of God, there's no Holy Spirit conviction uh, to bringing the sinner to the, the point of salvation. That's why when you and I, I've been with some people who, uh, watching them uh, uh, win a soul to Christ, and, and you sit there, and they, they can't hardly carry on a conversation. Uh, they, they, they're as shy as can be and introverted, but they've got the touch of God on their life. And the moment they open their mouth and give the gospel, there's something supernatural that takes place. I've had the privilege to be in the presence of some uh, just amazing soul winners. Say, how can they do that? Well, they got the power of God. I guess the question that we must ask ourselves is, are we willing to do what is necessary to get the power? It's an amazing thing to know that God has used you as a human instrument to take his word and to share with somebody how they can be saved and in their presence. Watch them bow their head, but surrender their heart and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's an amazing, amazing thing. But you and I don't do the convicting. You and I just need to get out of the way, be an instrument. But it takes the power of God. That is available. I still believe that revival can take place it may not happen on a nationwide level, but it can happen in Jacksonville, Florida. It can happen here. But it's got to have the power of God. That's why everything we do, we've got to make sure that God is involved in it. We've got to make sure that God has a part in it. We must follow this book. So I say that we can't be a gazer because the command is clear. We shouldn't be a gazer because power is available. You know, you can be an effective witness. I would encourage you to have a list of lost people that you pray for. Parents certainly ought to be praying for their children to be saved as soon as they're able to understand. Grandparents ought to be praying for their grandchildren to be saved as soon as they're able to understand. We ought to be praying for our coworkers. We ought to be praying for uh, those around us to be good. The power is available. See, I reject this notion that God's greatest works are, are things of the past. God's not dead. God is alive. And his power is still available. But I would say we're not seeing the results that these disciples saw because, one, there's a lot of Christians that are, that are gazing. But there's a lot who might be willing to go, but then they're not getting the power that is necessary to do it after. And by the way, let me just interject here. This is why it's important to get people in the church, get them grounded, get them plugged in, get them growing so they can be an effective witness. Uh, we've got we to make the effort to get people in the house of God uh, so that they can be a goer as well. Uh, why are we gazing when power is available? Number three, simple question. Uh, I thought of don't be a gazer because the need is great. Look at verse number eight. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea, in Samaria and unto the othermost part of the earth. Jesus lays out where they're to be witnesses. Well, Pastor, that sounds like the whole world. That's the point. To tell the whole world the need is great. 
Uh, why should we gaze? I praise God. I'm in awe of the Son of God. I'm in awe of Jesus Christ. I am in awe of what He's done in my life, of what He does in the life of, of, of others. It's an amazing, amazing thing. When I read in Scripture, I'm reminded of the, of the work of Christ. Well, I'm in awe of that. We can't stand gazing without going because the need is great. We live in a day in our own nation when people have never heard the name of Jesus. Things that we take for granted, people don't know. More people have not been in Sunday school than have been in, than have been in Sunday school. The need is great here in our Jerusalem, in our city. Say, well, Pastor, God hasn't called me. Well, what, is, what does that have to do with anything? Jesus has commanded you. He's commanded all of us. The need is great. I say this, and, and, and some take offense to it, and, and, and you're just going to have to take offense every time I say it. But I say to our young people, you ought to give your life to serve God. Well, I just don't feel called. What would be wrong with using your life to just keep as many people out of hell as you possibly could? Well, that's true of all of us. Well, I just want, to see, I just want God to use my life to keep as many people out of hell as, I, as possible. The need is great. Oh, we ought to make a goal to reach our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers. I think of the church at Jerusalem. And I want to remind you, well, let, me, let, me, let me backtrack just a little bit. You look in verse number 12. They re then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mountain called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. When they were coming in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes and Judas the brother of James. They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. They were of, of one accord. They had one th what, was their, what was their goal? What was their mission? What Jesus has said to do. Now they went in that upper, upper room and they prayed until they were empowered. Now they had the ability to go to Jerusalem. And the church, we know that if you turn to the next few pages, the uh, Pentecost takes place and 3,000 are added to the church in one day. That's a big day. Uh, what is the power of God? The church of Jerusalem began to grow to such a place where it began to affect the regions around. Through God sending others to other parts of the world, but also through persecution, it, it split that church, it, it scattered the church, and the gospel got to regions beyond. But it began there with a group of people who said, we're going to obey the command of God, and we want to be empowered to the point where God blesses in such a way that it just begins to... The, the plan, if you will, just begins to take place. And friend, that's why we've got to be, be busy. And, and certainly there are many who, we, they, have, they have a thousand, they have, well, not quite a thousand, but I think some that's their goal. They have missionary letters all over the walls of missionaries they support, but they've yet to walk across the street to witness to the people across the street. They've yet to run a bus into another community to reach. They, in essence, have hired somebody else to do their witnessing for them. And I'm for missionaries. I'm for supporting missionaries. But friend, it must start at home. And if we in America don't get back to going instead of just gazing, there will be no place to send the for the missionaries to come from. It starts with what we are doing. The need is great. 
You say, well, God hasn't called me to Africa. What's wrong with your neighborhood? Well, God hasn't called me to Europe. What's wrong with your community? You know, if we would all act like missionaries, and in my mind say, I'm a missionary, it would change, it would change things. When you walk into that office tomorrow, or you may be the only saved one there. You ever think that God may have given you, I don't know why God gave me this position. You think God may have given you that position for you to be a witness to those? Now, I'm not telling you to take the pulpit to work with you tomorrow. But you may be the only one who's saved where you work. Master Mind said, I will take tomorrow morning when I walk into the office. I might be the only one saved here. We'll see. <laughs> you get the point I'm making. The need is great. Number four, and this is where we'll conclude. We can't be a gazer. We must be a goer because time is limited. You think about what those men witnessed when Jesus ascended into heaven. What, a, what an amazing sight. Those two angels that were there said, you men of Galilee, hey, why stand ye gazing? Why stand ye gazing? This same Jesus, which is taking up from you into heavens, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. He's reminding them, time is limited. I think of the ministry of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, Peter and James and all of those disciples, all those who witnessed the ascension of Christ. Peter's going to preach in the power of the Spirit and very, very soon, and we read about the results of Pentecost and the miracle that Christ that, that was performed and the thousands that were saved. The time would come, and certainly has come, when each one of these individuals would take their last breath. And Peter would translate from this side of eternity into eternity. The time would come when Peter would preach his last message. John would preach his last message. And all of these men, and they would proclaim Christ as Savior, the risen Savior, for the last time. See, when God commissioned them, the clock was ticking on their life. And friend, the same is true of you and I. We only have so many days on this planet. We only have so many opportunities to fulfill what God has given us to do. And that's something that ought to be something that's a reminder to us. And, and while we have the opportunity... and. Again, let me put a little bit of pressure on our young people. Hey, while you're young and you got time and you got strength and you got opportunity, don't waste it in this world. Use it so that you might keep somebody out of hell. Use it so that you might tell somebody one more time that Jesus died for them and, and Jesus will save them. Well, I just got to have my time and then I'll get busy. No, the clock is ticking. And these angels said, hey, why stand ye gazing? Time is short. Time is limited. Every name we read in that chapter has been in eternity for centuries. But time was limited. 
He reminds them, and by the way, as their time was limited, our time was limited. Uh, take advantage of the opportunities God has given you. Because time is limited. We don't know the person that the Spirit of God impresses upon us to be a witness to. You know what I'm talking about. You're minding your own business just trying to get out of Walmart without killing somebody. And by the response, there's more people who feel that way than I thought. And the Spirit of God will say, give them an, a track. Talk to them about the Lord. I got to get out of here, God, or I'm going to kill somebody. You don't know, but that might be the last opportunity that person has. It's the urgency as a preacher when you preach and you, you don't always know if there's lost people, but you assume there's going to be somebody lost every, each and every Sunday. Oh, Pastor, won't you pull back a little bit? Why don't you, why, why don't you not put the prayer? Why, why don't you take a Sunday off in your preparation? Because that might be the only time. It might be the last time. Because time is short. It's limited. But these angels remind them that Jesus is returning. They is coming when that trumpet is going to sound, as I preached on this morning. And those who have gone on in death, they're going to be resurrected. We're going to meet them in the air. If that were to take place tonight, you and I would meet the Lord in the air. This preacher could never preach another sermon. Well, I look forward to Jesus calling us all home. I look forward to Christ's return. But you could never witness to a loved one again. You could never pass out another track. You could never carve out some time to... Go tell somebody else how Jesus rose again and what that means. You can never pray another prayer that the Lord might convict some sinner or somebody you know and bring them to the saving knowledge. And you can never pray, Lord, would you send another soul winner by to, to give them uh, the, the, the gospel. Time is limited. And friend, the day is coming. When just as I illustrated this morning, the Father is going to say to the Son, go bring... My children home. And that archangel is going to blow that trumpet. And in that moment, we're going to be united with him in the sky. And this world's opportunity will have slipped by. Say, Pastor, we, God may tarry his, the Lord may tarry his coming. And, and, and we may all go through the portal of death. And we may all pass through that. And there may be generations before uh, Christ returns, but friend, let me tell you what we do today, and we win somebody, or we, we put somebody under the preaching of the gospel, and, and that soul is secure, and then they have an opportunity to, to, to keep that and pass that to somebody else. What we do certainly does make a difference, but time is limited. If Christ returned today, how much rejoicing? I think of the reunion that would take place. I think of those who have gone on before us that we'd get to see again. Our Lord, we would get to see. But we would have no other opportunity to be a witness to somebody else. So, friend, why stand ye gazing?
Why don't we all use this message tonight to remind us of the importance of using the life that we have, the opportunities we have to be a witness. This week, you're going to have different opportunities than I'm going to have. I'm going to have different opportunities than you're going to have. Oh, we can talk about, oh, God is so good. And aren't you thankful that in the early hours of the morning, you can open up your Bible and you can, you can read in God's Word and the Spirit of God will speak to you and you can be reminded of what God has done for you. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful for, for, for Sundays like today when, when we were reminded of, of Jesus paying that price for us and Jesus being our high priest and Jesus interceding on our behalf even at this very moment he intercedes for us? Aren't you thankful for that? And, and you ought to be in awe of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you should never get over the fact that the Son of God would die for your sins and he would save you and he would intercede on your behalf. Don't ever get over that. We ought to just not gaze at that, though we ought to go. All of us ought to do something this week to be a witness. Something this week to have a part. So let's not be, because he lives, that's the theme of our seven-week series, because he lives, we ought to be a goer, not just a gazer. Don't just be a gazer. God has designed his church so that everyone can have a part. Well, Pastor, my health does not work. You can pray. Boy, I, never do you feel more inadequate than when you stand behind a pulpit and you preach God's word knowing that there are those underneath the sound of your voice who need Jesus. Well, I tell you what, this preacher appreciates prayers that I might be empowered as I Preach the word of God. Oh, I know there's many on our Sunday school prayer list, there's many on our church prayer list that have lost friends and loved ones whose names are on there. Pastor, they're not even here. I can't do anything about it. Oh, you can pray that God will soften their heart. You can pray that God will use something in their life to remind them of their need of a Savior. Friend, let's... Let's be in awe of Jesus. Let's not be critical of the disciples because they were in awe of what they had just seen. But every now and then, we need a reminder. Let's get at it. We can talk and testify all night about how good God's been to us and the miracles that he's done and what he's done in each and every one of our life. Hey, let's be reminded. Let's not just be a gazer. Don't be a spectator in God's work. Don't be a spectator, be a participant. That's the way God designed it. Let's not just be a gazer. Father, help us as we consider these truths, these thoughts.